Thank you very much. Right. Uh, good morning then. It must be about the 27th, is it? Go on, getting accurate. Right, let's just have a prayer then and uh, see where the Lord will take us this morning. Father, it's, uh, what comes into my mind is in the beginning of John, I think we beheld his glory. The glory of the everlasting God. Um, and Father, we are in awe of what you're doing in these days. Father, cause us to forget everything we've ever thought we knew about you. Cause us to just lay it down and open our hearts up to what you're doing right now. Because you... Oh, awesome God, King of the nations, eternally and everlastingly the same, are coming to earth in such a way that it scares the wits out of me. <laughs> and yet I'm so excited and delighted and uh, pouring out like a jelly all over the place. Because we not only sense your presence, Father, but we hear your voice. And we welcome you here, Holy Spirit, this day. We welcome you. Come and do what you will here this day. No agenda, Father. Just whatever you... This is Father's house. This is Father's house. Whatever you want to do here, Father. These are your children. This move amongst us, Lord. Calls us to behold your glory. Put in us, Father, a hunger and a thirst after you that nothing but you will satisfy, Father. Lord, as I asked you this morning, I want to learn to eulogize about you. don't know what it means, but I want to learn to do it. <laughs> so, Father, we just want to bless you. Lead us on, Lord, lead us on. In Jesus' name. Everything everything seems mundane after what's been going on over the last few days. But first thing I want to do is to, is to ask Sarah to, to tell you what happened to her and to read. Um, thank you. Yeah, yeah, to read what the Lord gave her. Here we are. Okay. Um, well, I don't know how many of you know what's uh, been going on lately, but um, nearer. Um, but basically, I I, I would have given up God um, for a married man, and it has been nine months of absolute hell, <laughs> confusion, my flesh rising up. And I was in complete torment about the whole thing, knowing that I was so close to um, giving up everything, but didn't want to give up everything, but just couldn't help myself somehow. I got a word from Beryl saying, don't do it. I had a word from this group right at the beginning saying it's the spirit of deception, but I just didn't hear it. Um, and then here on Monday evening... <laughs> All Monday I decided to spend a day with God and um, I, it was a real struggle uh, and I did some soaking and sort of passed out for an hour and a half. I don't know what was going on there but God was obviously doing something. 
and uh, wasn't expecting anything to happen here Monday night. In fact, I got here in quite a bad mood. And sorry, Sue, but John was irritating me. I don't know why. It just... <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah, he didn't hardly do anything. And I was sitting here and I was getting and I thought, oh, this isn't very uh, Christian-like, is it? You know, I'm supposed to be loving my brother. And I'm sitting there thinking, oh. Um, and Beryl put on Graham Cook's Permission Granted CD. So I got my blanket, sat in there. And whoa, is <laughs> all I can say. First of all, I realised um, what I was going to give up. Um, and God literally came down to me. And I can't describe it in words. And I think there's been lots of places in the Bible you can't describe it in words. It's a... It's a... <laughs> It's like a gold sort of light, but it's so huge. It's just, I can't, I, I don't have the words for it. But it made me, God showed me what anything on this earth is worth compared to what he's got for you. And he, he showed me sort of this tar black. And there was just no comparison. There just wasn't. And I, I felt really quite ashamed that I <coughs> was that close to giving him up for something so small. Mm. So um, you'd think an amazing experience like that would turn you completely, but it isn't. <laughs> On the way home, the image was already fading, so I prayed that God would uh, speak to me and that I could get something down in words. He hasn't given me what I saw. He, he's given me what he was saying to me, and this is what he said. My beloved treasure... You saw my Shekinah glory. You felt my spirit pour into yours. The scales were lifted from your eyes, and you asked to see me, and you saw. I gave you a glimpse of me, of my love for you, of my safe place. I gave you insight to where I live. You felt the purity, the holiness, and my house, the kingdom of God. Now you know why earthly things cannot be mixed with heavenly things, why holiness cannot be tainted by unclean things. They are worlds apart. My hand will not allow you to be defiled by lowly things that bear no fruit. There is no comparison between what I have for you and the things you think you need. I want you to know me of how my plans for you are only for your good. Don't settle for what the flesh offers you when I have so much more, more than you can imagine. Now your spirit has seen me. Allow yourself to trust in me. Give yourself to me and I will show you a life not many have travelled. Have no thoughts of yourself and I will take you places in your heart that nothing in this world can. The I am is here and I will never leave you. Rejoice in, getting hot again, here we go. <laughs> Rejoice in my name, O heavenly child. Be at peace and know I have begun a great work in you and I intend to finish it. My rest will bring you great joy and happiness. So rest, my child, you cannot win your own battles. Am I not big enough? I will teach you, and I will show you everything you need to know. I will take you from glory to glory. I will show you the time and place for the work I have planned for you. Now you have some idea of my power. Rest and allow me to work through you. Give me what I ask. Don't be afraid, for I would not have called you out of darkness to abandon you. 
Lift up your eyes to me, O child, and all will be given to you. Believe, believe, believe. It's time to change. It's time to run the race. It's time to decide to go forward. Take the baton with a single mind. I am with you and I am for you. The kingdom work is ahead and my army is putting on its battle dress. Get ready, my child, for my hand is upon you and I will deliver you through every situation by glorifying my name. I love you, I love you, I love you. Fill your heart with songs of praise and know on this day the heavens were opened and poured out on you. Bless you, my child. Thank you, dear. Well, follow that. If you if you're really keyed in to and listening, you'll hear many things that has been actually coming across here uh, in that word. Um, it's about the focus. It's about the purity. It's about the holiness. It's about the kingdom. How we cannot mix the holy with the profane. We can't do that how his plans are only for good, how we need to walk in the spirit and not after the flesh, uh, how we need to see what he's got there for us uh, and be at peace. Um, these with us. It's time to run the race. I thought that was very significant. It's time to decide to go forward. And I thought I heard the word baton in there. And it, I heard it again this morning. I said, my, my heart went... Well, I heard it, and I thought, just settle down. It's nothing to do with you. It come again. Yeah. It's significant for me. It's of course the, the the baton passing going on, and I'm just handing this baton, and anyone who will take it can have it. But you take it, and you take all of this as well. Because you can't have the power without the glory. And the glory of God comes first. Everything you're going to do is going to be for the glory of God. So it's not a baton because you've got some sort of power. It's a baton because you are walking in who you are. In Christ. Uh, he said to me, I brought my journal down this morning. Because sometimes he just downloads and he did it this morning. Because I had been struggling like Sarah with the uh, school next week the battle to get enough time to hear what he wants to say and to bring it across with clarity is huge I worked all day yesterday on it as far as I was able and then <laughs> last night I sat down and thought what have I got for all that effort so I'm struggling I'm struggling I'm struggling again this morning and the first thing that caught my eye this morning was something Smith Wigglesworth said which is God is absolutely taking care of everything so I thought that's all right then settle down oh my soul and just worship and he led me to a book called uh, they drank from the river but died in the wilderness which is of course talking about the Israelites and I've had it there for a, on my front for a long while and I began to pop through it and realized that the singular message was him there's nothing else. It's him. Uh, and and uh, if we can talk about the church, the church has been focused so much on everything else other than 
that bringing our eyes back onto a singular focus, but he said, that's your starting place. Me. Everything else, don't worry about it. You've got all you need, me. Because I'm thinking, second session, first day, spiritual warfare. I'm thinking, I don't know about spiritual warfare. I know what it's like, but I don't know how to teach on it. Blah, 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 blah. So I'm, I'm, I'm stuck on the first day, you know. Uh, tripping over my own skirts. Uh, so, and the next thing he did was that he reminded me that my instruction for this week is to concentrate on the inner territory of the people who are coming, which needs regaining, and not so much on the enemy. Yeah. Oh, brilliant! You want to do it now? No. You've got, you've got, mm, 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 mm. yeah. And he said, concentrate on regaining their inner territory, never mind about the enemy. And so my struggle was over. It was just over. And like Graham, I found myself saying, you're so big. You're big, you're big. You're so big. And I'm thinking of the enemy and all his activities, and I'm thinking it's like a fly. I thought, it's not even like a fly, Father. It's not even that much of a problem to you. He's, he, as far as you're concerned, he's insignificant. And I thought, I like it. <laughs> Getting to sound more like Graham every day. I like it. I like it. And then there was, um, so there was that. And I just, I just said, Father, thank you for simplifying it. It <laughs> Just thank you. It was just so simple. Hello, good morning, good morning. An arrival. <laughs> uh, it, it was just so simple. Uh, I was, I was, I was uh, oh, there was something else I need to, to, to talk. Uh, oh, just a minute. Can I turn off for a tick? Do you want going garbled here? <coughs> Thank you. Sorry about that. Those listening on the tape, excitement gets a bit high here. <laughs> So there I was, struggling like mad. There were several things I was struggling with. I was struggling with that. I was also struggling with the fact that um, um, those of you who know Tim, he came in um, on at the weekend with a friend of his. And of course, my wands are still on there, aren't they? So he overlooked those for a minute. Then he spotted the fairy on the shelf over there. And he began to freak a little bit. And then he spotted something else. What was it? that uh, There was a third thing, wasn't there? Oh, the pens. The pens. I know nothing. I don't understand these things. Anyway, he took me in the little room and gave me a talking to. So, uh, you know, you can't start holy and then go off at the edges. So I thought, okay. So I repented till, as Graham would say, I couldn't spell the word. I turned myself inside out asking God's forgiveness. I could cry now thinking about it. I said, Father, I am so sorry. I'm leading the sheep astray. I've got fairies and wands all over the place. I know they don't mean anything. I know that that's nothing to you. It doesn't mean anything. So there I am in this stew. But the biggest stew of all is that Gina gave me the fairy. So I'm saying, what do I say to Gina? She gave me the fairy for my birthday. I mean, that's hard, isn't it? What am I going to say? So I thought, and I can't give it to Connie. Because I was going to give it to, to Connie, my little granddaughter. I thought she was like a fairy. And I thought, that's fine, that is. Grandma giving her wands and a fairy, that'll lead her right up the garden path as if she needs to go anywhere. And all of a sudden, he started to talk to me. 
It's not about fairies and wands. I'm bigger than that. But in order that Tim doesn't stumble, get rid of him. That is the reason that I'm to give to Gina. Because it is causing, it's causing Tim to stumble big time. So I need to get rid of the ones and the fairy and I can put them where I like. Because I know they've no power. I know my God's bigger than all this nonsense. And, and he also said to me, which was really so funny, you were a war wartime baby, you never had time for fonds, fonds, fonds and wearies. You never had time for fonds and wearies. You didn't have wands and fairies. You didn't have little pink frocks and things to play with like that, like little girls like. So in my heart still, there's a desire for a pink wand and a fairy, you know. I mean, but because it's going to cause him to stumble, those have got to go, and I can give them where I like. So it all dropped away, all the strain, and the, I was getting myself in a goodly state. I tell you, I, I, it, it. so I've got my agenda for next week, and you can have the summer school right now in one sentence, and it is absolute surrender of their heart and abandonment of themselves to him. So that is what regaining your inner territory is about. Simple and as difficult as that, it's all about giving up, giving up, giving up, giving up. Perfect submission, all is at rest. He says, you can teach what you like. <laughs> I said, what am I going to do this morning to teach what you like? It's immaterial. <laughs> and have a pink wand, yes. So, But it, don't you have to be wise, uh, you know. You just have to be, to be wise. Um... Mm. Okay. <laughs> uh, he's also talking to me about worship. Um, I ran this by Martin Richards the other day, and he nearly had me head off at the neck. So I thought I don't think it's a safe place to go because I said worship isn't always to do with music. Look at Abraham and Isaac. You see, that was a sacrifice. That was a sacrifice. Okay, I thought that is not a place to go. Uh, <laughs> What I was trying to say was that Abraham gave up the most precious thing to him, which was an act of worship. Uh, and what he's speaking to me about is that a lot of what passes for worship in church, even in the, in the charismatic churches and the renewal churches, is, is eros-driven. It's not agape-driven. It's not worship to him it's worship of my ability to play an instrument look at the lovely sound we're making together see how we sing it's worldly he's not complaining about it he's not criticizing it but he's saying this is my shekinah that's the tarmac which is what you've just talked about so you get places where people go just for the worship do you remember Kate and Hillsong they were groupies. They were uh, they were groupies outside. It wasn't Hillsong's fault. Beautiful music, but the people waiting to go in were going to hear the group sing, not to worship God. Idolatry, by any other name. Hmm. So June and I will be playing praying this afternoon and playing. 
if she's here long enough, about another school in September, whether it is or not. And I mean, I'm saying, is this the case, Lord? Uh, and while I'm in the bath this morning, he suddenly dropped the title of it into my brain box, so I suspect that it probably will be. And it's called Entering In. Entering into power and presence. Beloved, there is a place in God that he wants us to occupy where we will be mute. Sarah was mute. Jean out, laid out there on the settee listening to something similar the other night. Couldn't speak. When you really get into the presence of God, you have a look, see what they did. They're flat on their faces. Can't speak. It feels like that we've been playing at church for a long time. And now he's saying, come into my house. Which was the dream you had, wasn't it? Come back to school and come into my house. And when the girls were going, we had quite a gang of people here at the weekend. It was absolutely brilliant. I love it. Poor Joyce. I love it. I'm an only child. You'd think I wouldn't like people. We had Tim and his friend Dan. We had Tanya, love her up. We had Sarah, because we had to put Tanya up in the annex. <laughs> <laughs> we had Jean Minty. Uh, we had two boys up in the front room. Jean Minty in the room there. Uh, Tanya did a double shuffle and went to Sarah, so Sarah came back. I don't know, I didn't count how many of us there were, but we, there we all were. Uh, and I've been um, talking to the Lord about, because of arising from what Graham says about having a dream, and I'm thinking, duh, you know, Homer Simpson, dream. What's, what's my dream? I haven't got a dream, duh. And a while ago, I think it was Janice Richards said to me, there's a there's a dream in your heart that you've buried. Yeah? I thought, well, I thought everything was on show, really. Um, but obviously there must be. Just saying goodbye to this one on Sunday. Giving her a big hug and getting caught up in her ear in at the same time. And God said to me, this is your dream. I was absolutely, I couldn't. I thought, that is it. That is it. That is my dream. A house full of God's people. Meeting him. That is my dream. And it touched so deep. He just says, you know, when God speaks to you one sentence. Did it with me twice this morning. You know, me fairies and me wands and the other thing. Everything just goes away. You just Everything just goes down. Zump. That was the dream that he placed in my heart 20 years ago. A house for God's people. And that jolly duck out there <laughs> on the pond and her 11 ducklings was a visual aid. And she kept coming, didn't she? And the kids were popping all over the place and pecking everything and making a mess. Tell you something, when God's kids get together, they peck everywhere and they make a mess. And he loves it. 
He said to me, this is Father's house. That's why the children come. Broke my heart. Ah, just broke my heart. I didn't know I had a dream. But you see, that's what Oasis has been about. He gave a vision in the first place about a big house where God's people would come and others would live and serve the people that came. I thought, time's getting on. Been here 10 years, nearly 11. It's not going to happen. Missed it somewhere along the line. That's okay. And it's like he said, you didn't miss it. <laughs> You will see it, and you're seeing it already. And it just—it just creased me. It creased me up. So, and the things that are beginning to happen here are God, inc God incidences, aren't they? I mean, that's all you can say is it's God. Those of you who've been listening week by week and know that I've been dropping words like inheritance in into what I've been talking about. I'm supposed to be doing the fruit of the spirit this morning, but never mind. Eh? <laughs> Excuse me, got to blow my nose. Ah, oh, dear, dear. I think I'm beginning to walk into my inheritance, which is the dream that God put into my heart. And he has brought about. So we're into Psalm 37, aren't we? Is it about verse 5? Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that shocking? A Bible teacher hasn't even opened a Bible. <laughs> I love it. Don't get stuck in tradition, girls. Uh, and got Jesus. No, not God or Jesus, but Graham. Well, I was listening to last night and he said, you get to the place where you begin to, and this is something that God spoke to you about, didn't he, on Monday night, about declaring who you are before God. Be before God. Exactly. Exactly. So whatever God is, is, is leading you into right now, didn't know I was going to go here, you begin to confess it before him. So I'm confessing to him last night. Father, I'm a good teacher. I'm a good mother. I'm a Deborah. I'm a mother in Israel. I'm thinking. And Graham's uh, on the thing I was listening to last night. He said, uh, God said to him, what have you always wanted to do? And he said, I've always wanted to be a publisher. So start declaring it before me then. What did you say? Want to be a publisher. I can't hear you. I'm going to be a publisher. <laughs> you start declaring out as you begin to understand what it was or what it is, your inheritance. So I thought I'm having some of that. So I, before I went to sleep last night, I started to declare out uh, the things that God has spoken to me over the years. Because the point that Graham was making was that in the very declaration of it, God picks it up and says, right, now you're stepping into what I've called you to do. He said, if you've got virtually a vision for a building, don't collect the money for the building. Step into the vision and the provision follows. You are stepping in. 
So you you do the thing first, and that, and you do it, of course, as the Lord indicates for you to do it. Because I said, I'm not going to speak this one out until you tell me to do it. Because otherwise, it's presumption. It is all out of relationship. So you begin to speak out as He quickens it to you. Like Martin Richards, when he came here, um, he kept saying, "I'm a prophet." God's told me I've got to say, "I'm a prophet." I've got to keep speaking it out. I'm a prophet. And I thought, okay, sweetheart, I've heard you. you know? <laughs> but of course, now I see the principle. God was saying, declare before me what you are, though you aren't that thing yet. Because then I can bring you into it. So, Sarah may stand before God and say, I'm a son and an heir. But she may at this point be an epios, which is a child without speech. Because there's a few stages to go yet. Nepios, technon, paidon, huios. Nepios, child without speech. Technon, young person, young child, about five or six. Paidon, lads. He always called the boys lads. Come on, lads. That was the word paidon when he was referring to the uh, disciples. He called them lads, teenagers. And then you have huios, the fully mature son. So we cannot avoid those stages, but we can stand in that place before God because he has given us entrance into that place and say, by faith I'm a huios. And then you align yourself with God's purposes for you and it drops down like a plumb line. Plop. Because you're beginning to declare your destiny over yourself. Your destiny may be to be the best wife and mother that ever walked the earth. Good. Brilliant. Be happy in it. Be excellent in it. Your destiny is not necessarily going to be standing up the front speaking and doing things. Your destiny can be anything. But you find out from God what your destiny, your inheritance is. And then you begin to align your choices with that. You begin to ask him to give you a personal development plan for that. All the while keeping your eyes on him, because he's the author and finisher of your faith. Everything comes back to intimacy, all springs out of intimacy with him. So it's not, oh, I'm going to be a so-and-so, you know, and then you pull all the strings imaginable to get yourself to be that. The whole thing revolves and circulates round intimacy with him and there's nowhere to get to because he's placed us there Sarah discovered that when he says so many times in Ephesians you are in Christ in Christ that's what he means Smith Wigglesworth one day walking by the waterside saw a bottle water in it bobbing about and I'm not sure I think he'd probably just been baptized in the Holy Spirit because he spent quite a number of years of his life without the baptism and then suddenly I think his wife came into it first didn't she Polly got it and he wanted it um, and I th uh, so I got a feeling that he spent something like 10 days locked in his room while God dealt with his anger because he was a very angry man never satisfied he'd shout and holler and rip into Polly if his dinner wasn't right and all things like this but God dealt with him and then used him mightily as we know so he's standing there and he's looking at this bottle and he's saying, the water's in the bottle. The bottle's in the water. Water's in the bottle. The bottle's in the water. And then light went on. The Holy Spirit is in me and I'm in the Holy Spirit. Jesus is in me 
and I'm in Jesus. So we're bobbing about in the ocean, full of water, bobbing about, full of the Holy Spirit, full of Jesus, but we're in him as well. And that's what uh, Sarah experienced was, she knew where she was. The first thing she said when she came, I see it, I'm in Christ, or words to that effect. She hadn't seen it, hadn't understood it, that's right, isn't it, before, but now she understands. So when we say, like in Ephesians, we're seated in heavenly places in Christ, it's not just words, we are in there. And position, that's why our lives are hid with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, we should be like him. These scriptures begin to come to life when you get a revelation, but you can't do it without a revelation. That has to come, the revelation. Lights going on all around the room, you know. So you begin to pray for a revelation. I mean, I, I have, if you knew the struggle I went over the, in the last 24 hours, it was ridiculous. And I didn't know I'd been struggling so much until he just gave me the word this morning, you know. God is absolutely taking care of everything. I thought, oh, that's a relief then. There we are then. I just want to stop for a minute because, uh, just could you turn me off for a moment? <laughs> Thank you. Um, Sarah just wrote, wrote read from the introduction to the book of James, uh, speaking of faith without works is dead and uh, the, w the way that it applies it through the epistle and of course the church has applied it you have to get out there and do things uh, which is not about it's, a, it's about works of faith within you uh, because when you go and you do that, uh, that comes from your intimacy with God but it reminded me that there was a word that God gave me a couple of weeks ago and I've probably read it before and it went something like this there is a separation coming between light and darkness between my people and the world I'm removing all that causes offence, winnowing, separating wheat and chaff. Much of what passes, passes for wheat is chaff. I'm coming with wheat, food for my people, not the chaff of man's opinion and values. My church is filled with chaff, the wood, hay and stubble of fleshly effort. Tell my people I'm coming. My fan is in my hand to winnow out the chaff, all that is unsightly from their lives. They will be my beautiful bride, my treasure, my inheritance. I am coming to expose all ungodliness in my people's lives. This is not judgment, this is purifying my bride. So it's not, it's not judgment on the body of Christ, it is purifying. Um, and again, as I've said so many times, we need to discern who's doing what to whom. I was listening to a tape of... Um, Bob Mumford's yesterday is so hysterically funny. I mean, these tapes are really about 30 years old, but he's so funny. And he was talking about this lady. He said, she is, she's a member of my congregation. She's a lovely, lovely lady. He said, hear what I'm saying. I love her to bits. He said, but she's useless. Uh, I said, she, she came to me, pastor, pastor, pastor. The devil's chasing me. Pastor, pastor, pastor. The devil's attacking me. He said, I said, honey. There's not enough truth in you for a second-hand demon. <laughs> he doesn't even know your address. 
it did make me laugh because last week I was speaking about the same thing, you know, that you actually have to be worth attacking. And if the truth is not in you to a great extent, you ain't a target. Uh, but it just made me laugh, honey. There's not enough truth in you for a second-hand demon. Or used demon, he put it, didn't he? For a used demon, that's it. Not enough truth in you for a used demon. Oh, it's so funny, so funny. So, you know, along with everything else we'll be looking at next week, and I don't know how many are going to be able to uh, make it. It would be good if you can give Joyce some idea or write down on a list somewhere who's uh, going to be able to come along to the sessions for catering purposes so Joyce knows who's going to be here for lunch, really, you know. We still have one bed available. <laughs> Strange movings around with the beds going on. Uh, we might even have two, but I think we have one. Um, so there we are. So let's finally try to get down to uh, doing a bit on uh, self-control. Good that you brought the bit on the tr tongue, isn't it, really? Because the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Um, so, Father, here we go on something different then. <sighs> Hallelujah. I've written here in red, and I probably did it yes last week. Don't allow the flesh to be gratified in speech, in deed, or in action. Starve it. So, when you think about that, you know, um, there's a... Th good three areas there for us to deal with speech indeed and in action so easy isn't it gratifying the flesh it's the old sin nature so let's just have a look at Galatians 5 um, 22 to 23 and Matthew 12 33 But I'll still have just as much of a juggling match when I get that. No, I won't though, will I? I'll have hands free here when I I get my posh posh thing. Not my posh frock, my posh thing. Galatians five, twenty two and twenty three. So I say therefore walk after the spirit and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh I must pinch Galatians out of my book would you kindly let me have it back thank you lead us Lord we were talking last week about uh, bookends love and self control the two bookends that hold the rest of the fr fruit of the spirit in uh, and remember that it's the fruit of the Spirit, it's not your fruit. Um, someone said on Monday night, oh I keep praying that for, the, for the fruit of the Spirit, that Lord will fill me with the fruit of the Spirit. And I said, sweetheart, you know, it doesn't come like that, fruit grows by your choices. Fruit does not get downloaded. It's he increases, you decrease, by your choices the fruit grows. It's the only way that it grows. Choice is absolutely vital, as you'll find out next week. Uh, unless you make 
quality choices every moment of the day uh, to walk as he walked, things are not going to happen automatically. There's no automatic. With the move of the spirit that we have at the moment, it's, oh, lay hands on me for this and that and the next thing. And, you know, you can lay hands on people till you're blue, but nothing is going to happen. Because it's the old nature that needs dealing with. It's not. It's not healing. It's not deliverance. It's, it's not anything of that. It's not filling. They are full because they've got the Holy Spirit within them. Uh, what they haven't got is self-control and they don't make good choices. So a lot of the time, that's actually the problem. So Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So here's your two bookends. Love on one end and self-control on the other. Against which there is no law. And I'll go on to verse 24. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And 25. If we live in the spirit, let's also walk in the spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another and envying one another. Now let me just say we all start from the same place. We've all got an old sin nature. None of us is without it. We're born with it. So we're all starting on a level playing field. So we all have the same struggle. My struggle may be in a different area to yours, but struggle I do. So I'm quite forceful. Um, I'm assertive. I'm, some say, dominating. Some say domineering. Um, I have been given authority and... As I got ticked off for not exercising it last year, I'm going to exercise it. Um, so, uh, kindly, gently, lovingly, um, when the Holy Spirit treads on your feet through me, move your feet. Moves on your toes, treads on your toes. Jim Ripley, a guy years ago, he said, the God said to him, Jim, when the Holy Spirit treads on your toes, move your feet. And there are some things that you just remember, don't you? <laughs> and I just remembered that and I thought, well, when he treads on my toes, I'm going to move my feet. So self-control is, is a big one. And it'll, it'll really extend across all the uh, rest of them because without, without self-control, you can't love people. You can't have joy, you can't have peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. None of those are going to grow unless you know how to control the flesh nature, the, the, the sinful nature that will rise up and war against the spirit all the time. Because they're contrary. It says in verse 16, uh, I say then, walk in the spirit and you not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17, for the flesh lusts against the spirit. In some of the versions it says wars. And the spirit against the flesh is a battle going on. And these are contrary. Ask Sarah. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things you wish. Do you remember she said, I wanted to do one thing but found myself inexorably doing another. This is, this is it, isn't it? The, the minute that God says, I want you to fast tomorrow, your stomach says, I want food. I'll have it now. I can't go all day. I can't do this. <coughs> have you ever heard your appetites rising up? Our actual flesh have got appetites. Sexual appetites. 
food appetites. They've got these appetites. Some more problematic for some people than others. That it's no good me looking at you and saying, you know, control yourself, because I don't have an, a problem in that area. I've got a problem in another area. So I can't point the finger at you if you've got a sexual problem, because mine might be with my fork. I might not be able to stop stuffing food in my face for whatever reason. So I can't say anything to you because I've got to understand that we're made of the same thing. Not easy getting this flesh under. I don't need to tell you, do I? I mean, it just bobs up everywhere. Me, mine, I, myself. Centre of attention. So self-control is a fruit of the spirit that we're to develop and choose to operate in. This whole business about choices is absolute. I cannot emphasise it enough. You get to choose. You really do. Um, I've, I've said before, you know, ask the Lord for a five-second countdown if you're a bit on short on fuses. If you find yourself getting angry quickly, give me five seconds to just choose, Father. There will be the times when you'll say, Lord, just excuse me a moment. I'm going to have a carnal moment because it doesn't happen all at once. But once you set your mind to actually wanting to walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. Once you get your mind on heavenly things and not on the earthly, then you begin to halfway win the battle. I always say there's that line, you know, on the floor. There's this circle. There's a line. One side is your old sin nature. The other side is the Holy Spirit of God. And you can step backwards and forwards over that in the course of the day, siding with one or the other. And every time you side with your old nature, it gets stronger. You empower the thing. You can empower it by talking about things. This is why, as uh, uh, Sarah said, about controlling our tongue, the more you talk about something, the more you empower it. The more you say, I can't do, the more you won't be able to do it because you empower it. And Jesus has said through Paul, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we, we bandy these things about, not really realizing what they mean. But what it means is, if I'm submitted to Christ, I can do all things. He's big. He's big. He can do it all. No problem, as, as Graham says on one... Was it the one we heard on Monday night? He says, Holy Spirit uh, told me to say I'm a genius. I'm good at everything. He told me to say that. <laughs> told me to say I'm a genius. Told me to say I'm good at everything. He said he comes in and he says, I can do that. <laughs> That's no problem. I can do that. He said, I just love the Holy Spirit because he's just so positive. He bounces in. He calls him like Tigger, doesn't he? That's it. He always says the Holy Spirit's like Tigger. He bounces everywhere. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> reminded me of that, that I had a dream I think it must have been a dream or a vision or something I was in um, a railway station huge, a busy 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 ticket office I'm right at the back and I'm only short the people handing out the tickets were in the front I looked at the clock and I thought never going to make it whatever the clock registered I thought I've either missed it or I'm not going to make it and then suddenly someone up the front stood up and said, it, it won't go till he gets there. 
and this railway man in a navy blue uniform with buttons wide apart to start with and then getting narrower so it made him look really wide-shouldered and narrow-waisted uh, I said he won't go till he gets there uh, so I thought, oh, that's all right then. And suddenly the people were handing a pound coin from one person to the other and, and gave it to me for my journey. I thought, well, how kind. That was so as I could get some tea on the way. You know, I thought, oh, that is lovely. And then the next thing we take off, this man is behind me, he's got his hands around my waist, um, and we're, we're sort of trotting, not quite running along. Uh, and, and I'm chatting away to him. I was actually chatting away to him about deliverance for some reason or other, telling him all about this and asking his advice, and he's hanging on to me nicely and you know, propelling me along like this, so it was really good. And It was so easy. It, it was just We were just covering the ground, and then my foot went in a puddle. I saw this black puddle, and I got my little uh, cream daps with the uh, nautical symbol on the front. They're cotton. Oh, oh, and this puddle rolled over this dap of mine and rolled off again left it completely as clean as when I, I thought oh that's good so all this is going on while I'm running along suddenly there's this steep hill in front I'm thinking I'll never get up there <laughs> and suddenly suddenly we're at the top dream ends uh, or vision ends whatever it was the person the man with the with the ticket the man who the train wasn't going to go till he got there was the Holy Spirit and it was, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whatever God asks you to do, he will provide you with the ability to do it. He doesn't say, you know, like the old joke, isn't it? Put three um, Irishmen, get, get three Irishmen and three shovels and ask them to take their pick, you know. You'll get, you'll get it in a minute, that's it dig a hole and take, the, take their pick, dig a hole, something like that. I'm not good at jokes. But he doesn't, doesn't say to you, oh, well, go and do that, and then has his hands behind his back and no tools for you to do the job with. He equips you with exactly what you will need. What he doesn't tell you is where you're going because he's got the map. So he's firmly got hold of you, and he says, we're going to run this bit, and you think, ha, ah. And we're going to jump this bit. <laughs> Comes into my mind now, oh, so very clearly. Went out riding once uh, some years ago, before that all stopped, um, on this horse called Paint. He was a scrag end of a thing. He'd been rescued, and he, he was sick when he was rescued. He was all colours of the rainbow. I think they call him a skewbald. He was brown and white and black. You know, no wither, absolutely thin and skinny, but he'd go like a rocket. But one of his little happinesses was to collapse in the middle of a stream and have a roll. I didn't know this, so I'm sitting on this thing, and all of a sudden the knees start to buckle like 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 an like an era going down. And the girly leading the ride said, "Push him on! He wants to roll." <laughs> So we got over that one, uh, and I thought, I didn't know we were going through streams. And then the next thing was, there's a jump come. I'm thinking, help, we've got to get across. We've got to jump that thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and before I could say anything, we're over it. I mean, it's a bit like the travelling with the Holy Spirit. Before I could say anything, we're over this. I think I've just, uh, just jumped that ditch. But then the, I'll give you some classic horsey tales. You'll love these. And then there was the lovely time. 
when I rode a, a little horse, tiny little thing, New Forest Pony with a le neck like rubber. Anybody who rides know what I mean by that. You know, just like rubber. And we're out on this, on the golf course going for it, really enjoying it. But suddenly I got unseated. And instead of sitting on the saddle, I'm sitting in front of it there, hanging on to his ears, hammering down. <laughs> Nothing can get me out of here. It's a bit like that with the Lord sometimes. Feet out the stirrups, completely unseated. I've got a catalogue of them. I could go right through them. And we'll all say and go through them then. And then there was the classic time when there was this rather larger horse, beautiful thing. Can't remember what its name was. Black and shiny. Belonged to a lady. She had him in livery in the New Forest. Uh, and if you got really good, you got allowed to take them out. So this particular morning... Me being a bit confident, thought, well, okay, then I'll take this one out. Big thing, climb on the stool to get up there, so I'm on, that's fine. Everything behaves beautifully. We go for a good, it was a good ride. He, she, whatever it was, good ride. Then we're waiting at the top road in the new forest there, just across the road, everything calm and peaceful. And a cement mixer lorry goes by, you know, with the thing going back round like this. He takes one, look at this. He backed, he reared, he plunged, he tried to go. I'm thinking, this is where I go for the ride of my life. And we were everywhere. Get you off my back, head down, head up. You, you know the sort of thing, don't you? <coughs> Somehow or other, I managed to get control and we actually got back across the road. But I thought, he doesn't like <laughs> cement mixer lorries. <laughs> My son's pony didn't like dustbins. I mean, what is there going to come and bite you out of a dustbin? He'd go past a dustbin and it's woo over the other side. Of the I mean, they're completely stupid horses. <laughs> but there we are. That's neither here nor there. Uh, but it's a bit like the ride that you get with the Lord. You know, he says, get on. You can enjoy this and hang on to the ears because this is where we, you know, down at the back, up at the front and on off you go meet you the other side of the plane. I don't know what that's got to do with anything, except that, you know, if you sign up for this ride, hang on to your hats. But you do get given a hard hat, and uh, they have body protectors now, don't they, for riding horses? I know my little granddaughter's got body protector. So, back to self-control. Uh, we have to discipline ourselves, and if we don't, we will never have those things that God has got for us. We'll never get the desires uh, that he's placed in our hearts because, as I keep saying, it is possible to miss it because it's due to the choices that you make that will bring you into the inheritance he's got for you. Every one of us has got a destiny. Every one of us has got a purpose. No one is purposeless or without a destiny in God. He's got it there, ready, prepared from eternal times past but when we come into the deeper things then he begins to ask us to make the quality decisions and line up with his purposes and, and without the gift of being able to control ourselves we're not going to come into it because if we can't bring this flesh of ours under if we can't control our tongue our thinking our appetites want to watch this, want to indulge that, if we are going to constantly stay in that baby state, that nepios state. You know, God's provided everything. Graham was saying how he's a granddad now and he loves 
the little baby little girl and he watches how the parents look after her everything she needs is provided there is not a thing while you're a baby Christian everything and even when you're not everything is provided but the difference is you begin to step from needs asking for what you need asking God for the provision to do the thing or whatever into the fact that you know the provision is there and you start speaking as I said before into your destiny there is a subtle change takes place from please provide my needs in this father because he will and it's right but as you grow up from Nepios to Technon to Paidon to Huios you'll find yourself occupying different places all the way along because as we've seen before there's levels and when he takes you up a level it's going to expect something different he's closing the door on babyhood you don't need the dummy anymore you're coming up you're going to begin to walk so we need to learn some different ways to relate to each other relate to him we need a bigger vision of him upgrade our vision of who he is because like when we've got a little one we want it to grow and eventually we'll come to the place by making those choices of where we will be fully mature sons we then have daddy's checkbook that's what the Huios is about some of you will know that uh, in the Greek and Roman culture when a, a, it was not necessarily a, a blood relative a servant could be uh, found to be more responsible uh, more reliable more integrous more faithful than the son themselves in which case the, the master would take that servant into the uh, main square the marketplace stick him on a little plinth and say this day he's become my son that's the adoption ceremony what he was saying was his word is my word I can trust him with saying what I would say in that situation. I can trust him with my checkbook. Now he's not going to trust Nepios, which are babies that can't speak, with the checkbook. You go up, each time there is an enlargement, you move into that enlargement, you do your best in that enlargement, you make your mistakes, that's fine, but your heart is set on the journey. And eventually you make the Huios. As I'm always saying, God doesn't give a Lamborghini to a toddler. He gives them a three-wheel bicycle. And you can go round and round on your three-wheeler for as long as you like. But you're only wasting your own time. You're wasting your growth time. The struggle that Sarah has been through has grown her on. She said, I feel in a different place. Because she has wrestled with something. God brings you into the kingdom. Uh, we all come in the same way. Born again, baptized in water, baptized in the spirit. And then just like Jesus, we're led into a wilderness situation. And Sarah's wilderness situation came where she had to battle to hold her head up. And it's like God was holding her chin up in the raging floods to bring her through. We get those wilderness situations and it is in there that he really, he knows what's in our heart. 
but we find out what's in our heart in those situations. And we can't stay babies forever. Well, we can if we like. Um, there's that sto story, isn't there, of um, the young lad going to stay with someone, stay with an aunt, and there was one room in the house where he was told not to go. Well, of course, you know what it's like with a child. But she went there once or twice a day, and he wanted to see what was in there. Uh, and uh, so he hides himself as auntie's going up the stairs, to, just able to see through the crack in the door what's going on. She opens the door, goes in, and there, lying in a cot, is about a 21-year-old boy. And she bends over the cot, and she says, I've loved you all these years yet you've never known me. And the point he was making was, you can be a Christian for 50 years and never know him. Doesn't length of time doesn't mean a thing. It's maturity. It's growth that matters. So the amount of years that you've been a Christian isn't the issue. It's how much growth have you made in that time. And there's always room to grow in God. There's always room to grow in God. And this boy uh, was just a child still. He couldn't understand. He couldn't get out of bed. He still needed to be looked after like a child. We don't want that, do we? We want mature sons. So if we're going to come into maturity, we're going to have to develop self-control. We're going to have to embrace the D word, the discipline. We don't like that. I don't like that. God's got me fasting once a week now until Christmas, he's told me. So that's okay. But you can guess the fight, fight this morning. It's about half past eight. I thought I'd go down for it. Oh, no, I won't. Go down for breakfast in a minute. I said, you can shut up for a start. You're not having anything. Um, just as an aside, I often hear uh, s a Christian say, oh yes, well I fasted and prayed about that. And I'm thinking, you fasted and prayed to try and twist God's arm, didn't you? <laughs> you fast when God tells you to fast, or you fast because you want to give him a an offering of your time or your whatever. Um, because it's showing your dedication, you're sh saying to the Lord, I really want you to know I mean business. That's what fasting is all about. He'll sometimes say, just fast from your own opinion. Fast from television. Fast from anything. You know, fast one meal a day. It's not always food. If you're opinionated, fast from your own opinion. Just don't think you know it all. Just for a week, just find out that you don't. Just say for once, no, I don't know. You'll hear me if someone asks me and I don't know, I say, I don't know. It's no good me pretending I do, I don't. And they don't think any the less of me. If they do, that's fine. You know. Self-control. Self-control is the art of controlling oneself. So it's virtually impossible to show forth the other eight fruits, as I've said, unless we're exercising that fruit. So... That's why I've started with the fruit of self-control because I think that's where God wanted to go. B because I do believe he wants to say to us in this day, ask me the areas where you need to be exercising control over yourself. And I'll show you.
by doing that you're bringing yourself into alignment with him you're just bringing yourself into alignment uh, and we all get out of alignment we don't set out to get out of alignment but the end result is we're over here and he's over there and I thought I was well out of alignment with this business with the fairies and the wands and as I said I repented till I couldn't spell the word really and I thought really Lord I can't be I must be a bit deaf in that must be my blind side but actually he wanted to show me something else I know that it means nothing and God's big enough but because I love the person concerned I must not cause them to stumble you know it's another good question father is there anything I'm doing that is causing somebody else to stumble because we do have to be careful it's like uh, Paul says in in uh, Corinthians somewhere I think it is I can eat food offered to idols oh yeah thank you father just a little one how about this for this one uh, Telsa's coming at the weekend for the next baton meeting and Gina and Telsa and Joyce and I thought that we might go out for a meal to sort of celebrate the, the, the six months, the first six months and then we both, Joyce and I thought I don't want to go anywhere, no we'll have a takeaway, alright, in comes this thing through the door, the Taiwan Chinese restaurant or whatever you call it Uncle Joe's Walk or whatever it's called and it's stuck behind in the kitchen so we all decided okay Chinese takeaway lovely right we'll have a takeaway brilliant I'm doing my daily reading yesterday now I don't know whether I could find it now it's in Acts somewhere um, and I'm a bit behind I'm a bit behind because God keeps speaking to me so I can't move on until I've um, until I've um, um, looked at, at what he's saying don't gobble through your daily readings. Um, that'll do it. That's nice. It's actually Acts 15. So here am I on Acts 15. Um, and Peter is talking about uh, how they need to, to talk to new believers and how they don't need to be, uh, be circumcised because there's a sharp dispute about circumcision and one thing and another. Anyway, I'll go for the and then they decide to write a letter. And this is what jumped out at me. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit, this is uh, Acts chapter fifteen, verse twenty eight and twenty nine, and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. So here they are talking to new believers. That you abstain from the things offered to idols from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. You can guess what jumped out at me. Things offered to idols. Now you may or may not be aware that when you go into a Chinese restaurant or an Indian restaurant, there are certain rituals and things that they actually pray over their food. Offered to idols. God says, no Chinese takeaway. So I came down thinking, must pray about this with Joyce. I think God is saying we mustn't have a Chinese takeaway. Forgot, could not remember what it was I wanted to pray about. I said, well, I've got something I need to pray about. I can't remember what it is. Mm. 
It'll come in a minute if we do our prayers and proclamations. It'll come, did prayers, proclamations, nothing came. Walked out of the kitchen, suddenly caught, you know, the Shining Wok or whatever the name of the Chinese was. I said, that's it. We can't have a Chinese takeaway. It's offered to idols. So we had a little pray about it. And what she felt was that she could buy Chinese food or Indian food from a supermarket, which is prepared in a different way. That is just prepared with the ingredients. I'm not putting this down as a rule and regulation, by the way. You ask the Lord if you can go into a Chinese restaurant and have a takeaway. This is just for us because of the way we live here, because it's Father's house. And he's not going to pollute his house by bringing in food offered to idols. Um, so uh, we prayed about it, and she said she felt that she could get stuff from the supermarket, so that's fine. So whether we'll have fish and chips or we'll have that, we'll have something. Um, but the interesting thing is that some months ago now, young Kate from Frinton uh, went out because it was a, some celebration going. They went to a Chinese restaurant. She was sick as a pig when she came back. And she asked the Lord, and he said, well, two things. One, you didn't ask me if, you could, if this was okay. And the other was you went in to somewhere where food was offered to idols. No Chinese for you. No takeaway for you. So I'd already had this in the back of my mind that she had had this prohibition. You see, with the calling comes certain prohibitions. Depends on what your calling is. But if God has got a prohibition in your calling, then you obey it. It's, it's as simple as that. What I can't do, you can. But conversely, I can't do what you do just because you do it. So you have to find out from God what your calling is, what your destiny is. Start walking in it. Get purposeful with it. Find out where he's taking you. What is it, Father, that you've called me to? What's out there from the foundation of the world that's got my name on it and I need to walk in so that your kingdom can come? It's all about kingdom. It is not about pleasing yourself, beloved. It is about kingdom. As uh, Sarah's word said here, and again, it's something that's been uh, somewhere or other. Yes, here it is. The kingdom work is ahead, and my army is putting on its battle dress. Get ready, my child. We are not playing at church here. We are being carefully developed in God's hand and by his uh, honing of us to bring us into a place where we are ready and we've got our battle dress on. Uh, even if it is a bride's dress, she's wearing combat boots. And his word to us is, I'll teach you and I'll show you everything you need to know. I will take you from glory to glory. I will show you the time and the place for the work I've assigned, stroke planned for you. And for Sarah this was, now you have some idea of my power. Rest and allow me to work through you. Give me what I ask. Do not be afraid, for I would not have called you out of darkness to abandon you. Lift up your eyes to me, O child, and all will be given to you. Believe, believe, believe. It's time to change. It's time to run the race. 
it's time to decide to go forward. Take the baton with a single mind. It's all in there, isn't it? All the messages that have been coming out. It's time, it's time, it's time. We cannot live as the world does. Come out, my bride. Come out from among them and be separate. 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 Father, thank you. Father, Jesus said, only my Father knows the day and the hour. But Lord, we want to live as though that would be today. That we are ready. That we're not like the foolish virgins. And we're not, Father, either like that picture I have right now of people playing on the beach. People halfway up the cliff shouting, come up higher, come up higher. Can't you see what's coming? And out there on the horizon is a tsunami. And unless they move up off the beach where they're playing, making sandcastles, they will be washed away just like the sandcastles. Father calls us to come up higher into your purposes. Father, don't let me put fear into anyone. Let me put backbone instead of wishbone into your children. In Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.